Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. A plenty to talk about with my next guest, Northern Ireland Secretary, uh, Brandon Lewis, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, obviously, we're heading into a bank holiday weekend. Lots of concern about uh, what's uh, happened on Wednesday. People out on the beaches enjoying themselves. Are you in government fearful of a second spike? Uh, well, everything we're doing is to focus on ensuring we do everything we can to avoid having a second spike. And it's absolutely key for our economy and for the health of people across the United Kingdom. Um, from what I'm hearing this morning on the weather, we may not have as nice a weather this bank holiday weekend as we might all like. But look, what we have seen, I think, over the last few weeks and even um, in the last bank holiday weekend and last weekend, is the far majority of people across the country have used their own good common sense. They follow the guidelines. And that's why that R level is coming down. Okay, well, let's uh, talk about what will hopefully be game changes in terms of uh, us coming out of lockdown completely and not just uh, enjoying ourselves on a sunny beach. Uh, But this rollout of 10 million antibody tests next week, first up to NHS staff and carers um, with just a finger prick test and also the possibility of these uh, antigen tests that could take just 20 minutes after as well. Um, This will make a massive difference to to how we are living our lives, finding out who's got the virus, who's had the virus and who needs to quarantine and who doesn't. Um, How soon can these be rolled out across? Across the country, because it's all very well. I mean, obviously, NHS staff and care should be a priority, but 10 million, well, you don't need 10 million for, for just NHS staff. How soon could you promise that we could all get access to an antibody test and find out whether or not we do perhaps have immunity? Well, look, you're absolutely right. This is a, a large, uh, an important part of the uh, work we're doing in terms of keeping our level down and giving people confidence and understanding. One of the big things this will do is add to our understanding of who has had the virus and therefore where it's been spreading and how it's been spreading. We- which is important. Uh, look, as the health secretary himself said, we do want to roll this out more widely. We have ordered that 10 million plus test. We're going to start doing tens of thousands a day very, very soon um, in the next week or so, which means we should be able to move that out to the public fairly soon. I'm afraid I can't give you a date yet about exactly that when that will be, because I think understandably and quite rightly, the health service wants to ensure that we get the frontline health and care workers dealt with first, and then we can start looking at how we move that out to the public. But yes, obviously with 10 million plus coming through, there's plenty of tests for, to be able to go around and they'll obviously be adding to that as we go forward to ensure we get as many people tested as we can. 
Okay, um, now the government's announcing today this 14-day quarantine for all arrivals from abroad. That, of course, includes those Brits uh, who are returning from holiday. If and when we do get to go on holiday, police are going to be uh, uh, checking up on people. Are they at the home? They've said they'll be at £1,000 fines if they don't obey. If, however, we have an antibody test to show if someone has had the virus or not and whether or not they're they're no longer a risk to themselves or others, um, and, and an antigen test we can find out within 20 minutes, why would we need to quarantine people coming into this country? Well, as, as you said, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. The Home Secretary will be doing the press conference later on today and will outline uh, the details of what we're going to do with the quarantine scheme as people come into the UK. Look, you're quite right. What we're saying is people come to the United Kingdom, UK citizens and from elsewhere. We've got the PR level now down very low. So people coming, if they have this virus, have the ability to impact that in that marginal way in a much, much heavier way. So we've got to make sure we're doing what we can to protect people. So the quarantine is the right and logical thing to do. And I think people will understand that. Um, as we go forward, what we do, and this is why these things are always kept under review, we're continually updating what we're doing as we learn more about the virus, as we've got more capacities. We did with the first stage of testing, obviously the health service first, and we've been able to widen it out to more people. The same with the antibody tests. But right now, the best way for us to keep that our level down is to ensure we do all we can to prevent people coming and pushing that R level up by spreading the virus. And the best way to do that is if people are coming to the country, but they take the precaution of being in quarantine, because when they first come in, they could have the virus and be asymptomatic and not know it. And therefore, the current test wouldn't highlight that necessarily. So we've, I think it's the safest, and most sensible thing to do. And I think most people will recognise that and appreciate this is all part of just trying to protect the health of people across the United Kingdom. Well, we've just been discussing with Lord Digby-Jones about why the quarantine is being brought in, you know, at the beginning of June, why why it wasn't brought in when any, many other countries were bringing in those sort of quarantine measures, Australia, many current, current countries across the EU. Can you explain to us just once again why on earth we didn't have quarantine rules for people coming to this country, including Brits coming back for, from uh, where they've been living or on holiday abroad during the time when this epidemic was at its peak? And why bringing it in now when we know that around the world, the well, certainly the countries that we'll be able to fly to from uh, it's actually on the wane uh, yes look, and, and i can understand why people would be um, curious as why we're doing this at this point and it's as i said all the way through we've been guided by the science and what the difference between now and some time ago apart from wanting to make sure that we've got uk citizens home and the chance of them to come home and of course don't forget where we've been in lockdown people coming home would have been in going into um, staying at home and therefore that isolation anyway as UK citizens. Uh, but also it's this issue around that marginality of the impact something has. When where, where the R level is now so low and we want to get it obviously as close to zero as possible, one person coming in and spreading the virus can have a big impact. And therefore, as the number of people coming to the United Kingdom now has fallen to a much lower level as well in terms of the amount flights coming in obviously um that kind of much bigger margin impact so now we think is the right time to look at doing this but as i say more details of this will be outlined um just a bit later on today okay yes we this is the trouble we're often talking about news that's going to be outlined later today and can't get that can't get any more detail what about the prospect of immunity certificates on the front page of the times uh, there's some sort of form basically you know if you've had coronavirus you've got the antibodies uh, and you could have some certificate i'm not sure a certificate would work i think you're more looking at say wristbands or something that can't be uh, you know passed on to someone else but to show that you are safe and helping to ease the lockdown because it surely is in everyone's interest whether you are the most vulnerable person having to self-isolate until there's a vaccine or or if you are or someone on a furlough scheme right now but it's in everyone's interest to get as many people out and about working maybe even be able to open up some restaurants and bars for people who've got those immunity certificates that would be a good thing for the economy surely 
Well, I think you're, I, I understand your point about the uh, the wristbands. Um, I'm I'm sure nobody listening to the show now will know of any young people who've been to a, a concert or an event and passed their wristbands around. So I, I fully appreciate that. No, point. the ones Look, you can't I get off, on, like on the hospital serious, wristbands. Yeah, no, the ones I, you can I, only no, no, get I, off I, if you break them. I know. I, I I I do appreciate the point you're making, uh, Julia. Look, I think on a serious note, I think if you first of all we, we've got get these antibody tests moving out there. we've got to understand more about how long any antibodies give you immunity for what level of immunity before we can really start looking at something like that being something that would be practical helpful useful and fair and accurate so i think we get a bit of ahead of ourselves in terms of what of that kind of a, a product at the moment uh, but as i say we keep these things under review and one of the challenges of the new virus is as we learn more about it as we move further on in the curve and downwards in that curve as we have been doing for um, the last few weeks, then obviously we can look at what more we can do as we come out of okay. exit, um, come out of lockdown and do so in a way that works for people's health as well as for our economy. OK, let's talk about this um, U-turn from Boris Johnson yesterday. On uh, Wednesday, he was happily defending the NHS migrant workers surcharge, um, £400 a year, going up to over £600 in October for each person and their, every member of their family in the country. Um, he's defending it and saying we need the £900 million it raises for the NHS. Yesterday, um, Matt Hancock at the press conference announced a, a U-turn on that. Um, if the policy was a good policy that could be defended, why hasn't the Prime Minister continued to defend it? And if it wasn't a good policy in the first place why was it ever the law well i think there's a a few the few points in there i think the prime minister himself outlined um if you look back to what he said on wednesday that this is something he has been thinking about i think first of all for the policy more generally uh the fact that people come into this country pay that surcharge i i have to say i've always been quite comfortable defending it and i'll defend it here with you right now on the basis that all of us who are uk citizens throughout our working life are paying our bit into the nhs with every pay packet that we get um, that it means that the NHS is there at the free at the point of delivery when any of us need it at any time. When people come into the country, they as migrants, they come in and often are here for a fixed period of time. They're not contributing over a long period of time. So then putting that surcharge in is about them paying their fair share towards the health service. So I think that's a, a legitimate and a correct thing to do. And it's, as you say, it was going to raise about and will raise close to a billion pounds over four so years. Why, so why stop it for NHS work? But, but I think what the Prime Minister... The reason he's been looking at this, and as he said on Wednesday, think about it, made a decision yesterday, and I think understandably, is what's been made very clear in just the last few weeks, the last couple of months that we've gone through this virus, is the NHS workers are contributing to the NHS by being in the NHS. And they're, yeah, and they're, being, they're, they're doing their doing. job, but they're being paid is, to do yeah, their yeah, job. They are. They're doing their and, job. And we know the from the statistics, then no greater risk of getting the virus than anyone else in any other job. People, frontline NHS workers have no greater risk than, than those working in the back room or those working in any other in any other job so who, who's out at work. Why exempt healthcare workers, but not all the other migrant workers then? It doesn't because make any sense, other, other, than, other than gesture politics. Well, we don't need gesture politics at this time. We're in the middle of a pandemic. No, and I think, look, I think first of all, I think it is right. I think we should be very upfront about the fact people sometimes you, I mean you, you in, in opening this part of the conversation talked about U-turns actually I think it is right the government is able to look at something and say actually in the current climate with the information we've now got we're going to make a decision that may be different to one we made so a, a while ago because things change and I think with this 
with the health service. The reality is people working in the health service are contributing to the health service in the work that they are doing in it by coming here to be part of it. And our health service has relied in areas of it for a very long time for people from overseas. And I think the Prime Minister's well, what, point is that... Well, what about a supermarket? What, what about a migrant worker who's right. come and who's working in the supermarket and is making sure that we've got food on our shelves? That's keeping us alive as well. Why don't you, um, why don't you end the surcharge for them as well? Why, why just NHS works? I understand the, the great work that people in the NHS do, but lots of other people do also, also do great work that helps us. Oh, no, absolutely. There's people from all over the world who have played a huge part in our country, in our economy, in our communities, our society. Absolutely right. The difference is those who are working in health service, it's, a, it's a, that positive circle. They're coming into our health service to support and help our health service where we need them. That We've seen in the last few months the heroic work that all of those in the health sector have done. And I think it is right. We say thank you to them and recognise that they are part of the health service. So everybody else, all of us, fund that health service in our taxes every day. Other migrants coming and working in other sectors pay into the health service so that it's there when they want to use it. What we're saying is for the health workers who are working in the health service, we recognise that they're contributing that extra bit by being in it in the first place. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, talk radio. Now, let's uh, welcome the uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Health, uh, Jonathan Ashworth, who joins us now. Good morning to you. 
Good morning. Good morning. And before we get to the NHS surcharge, which I'm sure we will want to talk about, um, lots of good news today. Rollout of 10 million antibody tests from next week uh, for NHS staff and carers first, then the rest of us, an antigen test being trialled that could actually just take 20 minutes after being swabbed for us to know whether or not we are, uh, are, are, are actually got the carrying the virus right now. Uh, do you think we're on our way out of this pandemic? Well, these are both really important developments because testing really is the key to uh, easing lockdown, testing back to what we call contact tracing. But if we have a test to see whether we've had the virus and whether we've got the antibodies circulating in our body, I think that's a, a crucial development. Although we have to be cautious, of course, because we are assuming that if you've had the virus, you've built up a degree of immunity to it in the future. That is not uh, 100% certain, but it's a it's a kind of a, an assumption, which is probably a reasonable assumption to make at this stage, although we'll have to keep it under review. But the other test that you talk about, the antigen test, that's the test to find out whether you've got it. That's what a lot of the testing that is going on at the moment is all about. If we can make those t- that test quicker, we can roll out more of it, because I believe we need to be testing everybody in a care home, whether they've got symptoms or not. We should be testing every NHS worker whether they've got symptoms or not, because we now know there's a huge degree of asymptomatic transmission. In other words, people who don't realise they've got it because they're not feeling poorly actually do have it and they're transmitting the virus. So if we can have mass testing of people in key in key parts of the public services, care homes, hospitals, etc., that is absolutely crucial. And we've seen, obviously, these random antibody tests that 17% of those living in London uh, have had, uh, are believed now to have had the virus, only 5% of the rest of England. We're a long way, of course, aren't we, from uh, uh, getting to herd immunity. Let's, though, focus on this uh, U-turn by the government yesterday. Boris Johnson on Wednesday was happily defending the NHS migrant surcharge for any workers who uh, come from outside of the EU. And actually, as of uh, the 1st of January next year, uh, there will be all NHS workers from outside and inside the EU who work here. Uh, who have to pay £400 a year NHS surcharge. Uh, it's going up to £624 in October. Um, last year, doctors, nurses and paramedics were uh, allowed not to pay that charge. Uh, but Sir Keir Starmer said it was uh, untenable for people to be clapping NHS workers on a Thursday and then charging them on the Friday. He's now announced his U-turn for all migrant health workers. Um, why shouldn't migrant workers in the UK pay a surcharge to use the NHS? Because, we, as you know, the NHS has relied on international recruitment throughout its 72-year history. And we should, be, we should thank the people who come from across the world to come and care for our sick and why? our elderly here. Why should we? Uh, uh, why, why should they, we? Because they are doing for us a tremendous service. No, no, but, people, no but, but, but Jonathan, with all due respect, do you seriously think someone is sitting in, in India or, or in uh, the Philippines or, and thinking, what I really want to do is go and help the good people of Britain and save their NHS? People come to Britain to make a new life for themselves, to get work that they want to do, and they're paid for it. We've got to stop sort of sanctifying people who are just doing a job. With all due respect, I'm a daughter of an NHS GP. I'm not, I'm not criticising NHS workers wherever they come from from Britain or abroad but let's stop this idea that people are coming to this country to save our NHS they're coming here for a job well they're coming here to work in the in the, the greatest yeah. health institution in the world which is the national is it health the greatest Service. health institution in the world yes absolutely no question I mean we can be even so though proud even, even even though we don't have the greatest rates of survival from heart disease or cancer or indeed it would transpire from coronavirus I think the NHS is the best way of delivering healthcare, free at the point of use, 
paid for by the taxpayer and it inspires people so people do want to come and work in our national health service and you are quite right people come here to start a life to contribute to society and they pay their taxes so they and they say and, and by paying their taxes they're actually paying for our, their national health service so i think this is a fair and reasonable thing for Labour to have called for, for Keir Starmer to have called for it. But Boris Johnson disagreed with Keir Starmer on Wednesday. On Thursday, he changed his mind and he did agree with Keir Starmer. So it's quite a victory for Keir Starmer as well. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt. And there's pressure, obviously, from Tory backbenchers. But fundamentally, yeah, Keir Starmer called it a, a victory for common decency. Um, one of uh, the Tory uh, select committee uh, heads at Robert Halfen said it was an immoral tax. But if it is an immoral tax, um, you can argue with the Tories they shouldn't have brought it in in the first place, if that's the case. But also, should it not be scrapped for all migrant workers? Well, I actually think our immigration system look, needs to be looked at properly because it's full of these uh, uh, anomalies. And I actually think that when people come to this country to work here, they're actually paying their taxes and we're actually penalising people twice. So we, we actually need a fair system. The government are not putting in place a fair immigration system. It's a sort of they're sort of chasing headlines. I mean, I just think it's a nonsense, for example, that they're saying that uh, care workers are low skilled. We have seen in this crisis how absolutely vital care workers are in our care homes and but you can be vital you can be vital and respected and valued and do very very useful work but still be low skilled with all due respect the people who are cleaning the streets right now and emptying the bins are doing a more useful job than either you or i but it doesn't mean it's skilled work but why then are the, is the pretty patel and the government pushing ahead with an immigration system that penalizes a lot of these people i mean our social care our social care system is hugely hugely reliant on international work and is already short of 120,000 staff. I mean, but it's reliant on it because there was a deliberate policy decision for years to import people to do the jobs. We've got plenty of British people. We've got loads of brilliant A-level students with A, you know, A grades coming out of their ears who aren't allowed to study medicine in British universities because there's a cap on the number of places for British students. And yet we then say we haven't got enough doctors or nurses. Let's import them from overseas. That's oh, don't a, get... Don't get me wrong, I want to expand training places. I mean, you are right. The way in which we are, we are training uh, uh, nurses, healthcare workers, uh, uh, doctors, etc. In, in this country uh, has led to the, has partly contributed, not wholly, but has partly contributed to the situation where we have 100,000 vacancies across the NHS. This all needs to be looked at properly uh, and reformed. I totally agree with you. But the problem with care homes is that in many cases, and I've seen this in Leicester, is that when a new ASDAS opens up or something like that, we actually see um, vacancies in care homes uh, go up because people leave social care because they know they can get a better paid job working in a local supermarket. I mean, that is crazy. This We need people to care for our elderly and adults with disabilities in, who, who are in receipt of social care, yet we're not paying people properly. This all needs to be reformed and looked at again. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Right now, let's turn our attention to some concern about a lot of, sorry, some concern by a lot of Brits about the cost of food uh, during lockdown. Research conducted by Love Canned Food during the lockdown period, we're on day 60, of course, reveals uh, that one in three Brits find food shopping to be a stressful experience at the current time. One in four are concerned about the cost of food, and one in five are unable to find the fresh food that they want and need. Let's talk about it all now with TV chef Phil Vickery. Good morning to you, Phil. 
Morning, Julie. How are you doing? Morning. Very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you after so many years watching you on the telly. Real pleasure. One of those things you think, I feel like I know you already. You've been in my sitting room far too much of my life. Um, let's let's talk about this sort of thing because, I mean, food, when we're in a time of crisis, food becomes a very big issue. And it turns out, who knew why? Loo roll uh, very early on exactly. in this pandemic. And I know a lot of people still feel quite anxious about not being able to get the foods that they want, um, even though actually the supermarket shelves, other than flour, which is still hard to come by, uh, are, are pretty much well stocked with everything again. Yeah, they are. And you know what? I think I think you hit the, the nail on the head there. Um, people uh, certainly focused on what they were buying, the frequency they were buying. So, for instance, you know, they could only get perhaps once a week or twice a week. Think about that is if fresh food, if you can get it, it's great. And of course, it's wonderful. But either it goes off or you don't cook it in time or you go back to it a week later and it's not there. So uh, I... I remember the days when um, my grandmother, we'd go on a Sunday afternoon, and my grandma we used to do a, a, a special tea on a Sunday, and it was tin salmon sandwiches with chopped pickled onions in it. And that was a treat. That was <laughs> yeah. a treat, you know. Uh, and even now, I still, I still still do that occasionally. But, you know, canned food has come on a long, long way. And I've got to tell you a great story. About, um, well, it must be 25 years ago now, I had a very famous a food critic and writer came to my restaurant down in, in, in Somerset and came with a very famous chef. And um, they had a butter bean soup with fresh thyme and olive oil. I'll never forget it. And they loved it so much. They said to me, oh, Phil, can we have another bowl? I said, of course you can. Sent it out, blah, blah, blah. They loved it and gave me a glowing review. That soup was made with uh, stock powder and tinned butter beans. And I thought <laughs> at that point, do you know what? If, 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 if it's that good for people like that, then why should I, you know, use Absolutely. It all the time? I, I didn't think there was any other kind of butter bean other than the tinned kinds. Well, people have got <laughs> quite snotty about that, haven't you? Now we've got sort of so much fresh food available to yeah. us, and, and particularly all year round, we get used to it. And there's a lot of snottiness about, oh, well, if, if something is frozen or if something is canned, it's not it's not fresh. But in fact, the, the goodness, the vitamins and, and, and stuff in, in, you know, canned vegetables, for instance, it actually can often be better than something that's been sitting on a supermarket shelf, supposedly in the fresh produce, for a few days. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the, the fruits and vegetables that are canned are canned within a couple of hours of being picked anyway. So there, will, there is a slight snobbiness about it, I have to say. So, for instance, things like, you know, you, we, we talk about butter beans or chickpeas or cannellini beans, those sort of things. If you need to cook them to make a hummus, for argument's sake, for, with chickpeas, you need to soak them overnight. It takes 12 hours. You know, I can go down to the supermarket. I can probably buy for under 70 pence a can and make a pretty good alternative. I'm not saying you can make it absolutely perfect, but you get yeah. a pretty, pretty good alternative. And the things get forgotten about. Like, I like, uh, it sounds really weird to say it, I love canned potatoes in a curry with canned spinach. I think it's delicious. Oh, I think oh I'm liking really, this. Really well. <laughs> I, I love it when chefs admit that they do this stuff. I think it makes us all feel better. Let's talk also just about about the cost of food because I, mean, yeah. I have to say, I, I, even I, Wids, I'm, I've, I've been, I'm, still, I'm still being paid throughout this pandemic, so I'm being very lucky. There are a lot of people right now who are furloughed, people who are worried they, they, their businesses are going under, uh, people who are really struggling on the finances and, uh, and you know, absolutely understand where people are. I'm, I'm in a lucky position that I'm still working, so is my husband, went to the supermarket. I, I'm on the basis of, well, I'm not going out to restaurants, not paying for holidays, um, you know, not, not paying for, for train journeys and things because we're working from home. Actually, you know, the food, when I go to the supermarket, it's pretty much, other than the, you know, the electricity bill and the water bill, pretty much the only thing I'm having to pay at the moment. But even I winced at what I'd bought because I'm, I'm, buy, I'm doing the food shop for, for three of us for every day, for every meal, for a mm-hmm. week at a time, when I used to just pop in and buy stuff for a couple of days at a time. So, of course, a lot of people are going to be concerned because they're popping in, only going in once a week, and they're realising they're eating all 
all their food at home as opposed yeah. to, say, getting the takeaways and, and getting a snack from Pret or Starbucks at lunchtime. They are. And, and the interesting thing about that also is is that, you know, if you're shopping once a week, that's fine. But when all the fresh um, fruit and vegetables weren't there, people resorted back to cans. You know, I go yeah. back into, you know, I've been in supermarkets and you know, I spend a lot of time in supermarkets, just keep an eye on what's going on, obviously, because I cook on this morning and I need to be in touch with that sort of that, that area, which I do and I really enjoy it. But the point being is that the people then reverted back to canned food. And I think a lot of them are thinking, well, actually, you know what? Not only is it a lot, a lot cheaper, but it's actually really good. It's really yeah. handy. So I think it's focused people away from the normal things like sweet corn, tuna, that sort of stuff, into more of the beans. I use tinned crab, for instance. Uh, I go back to eating and I you know, tinned uh, pork, like spam, that sort of thing. I did it for years. Baked beans has become quite, you know, quite oh, cool. Oh, ba- the baked beans was one of the first food stuff yes, to disappear. Exactly. We've gone for comfort food. All right, just finally, before I let yeah. you go, and, yeah. and give, us a, give us a recipe that we can cook this weekend using some tinned goods that we, we reckon were we allowed to have people over for lunch or dinner but we'll actually impress impress our family members in our own household right here you go so, i'm not sure what the weather's going to be like it is quite warm then that's we can do like a barbecue baked beans which everyone does anyway fish tacos here you go soft tortilla wraps uh, mayonnaise canned fish canned fish can be mackerel it can be tuna it can be salmon it can be even canned squid a bit of mayonnaise a bit of chopped honey a bit of fresh coriander or things like um making a cottage pie which if you know if, if you've got four or five here at home, take it and using half the meat. So take a half your protein, whether it's turkey, mince, lamb, beef, whatever, and replace it with two or three cans of canned lentils or canned beans. You cut your meat content down, you get just as much flavour, and it's probably half the price. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.